Today's episode of the Watson Weekly Podcast is sponsored by Commerce Tools. The world of commerce is fast-paced and constantly changing. Commerce Tools, the global leader in commerce and creator of the powerfully composable mock architecture, enables commerce leaders to turn possibilities into reality. Commerce Tools helps businesses go from underperforming to overachieving, and from keeping up to setting the pace, all at a lower total cost. Go to commercetools.com to learn how to get started. It's June 5th, 2023, and this is the Watson Weekly, your essential e-commerce digest. Today on our show, Amazon Small Business Empowerment Report, Shopify's upcoming shareholder meeting, McKinsey's report on the beauty market, an economist wondering where's the recession? And finally, the Investor Minute, which contains seven items this week from the world of venture capital, acquisitions, and IPOs. But first, in our shopping cart full of news, Amazon's Small Business Empowerment Report. Recently, Amazon's VP of Worldwide Partner Selling Services, Darmesh Mehta, published a small business empowerment report. Even though a lot of what Amazon puts out is public relations designed to bolster Amazon's image with the general public generally and politicians in particular, it's still useful to review these types of reports because it tells you the narrative the company is trying to push. Just to give you some idea why Amazon does this, imagine if Amazon is viewed as the actual friend of small businesses, then the company isn't viewed as this abusive employer that makes its delivery drivers pee in cups and peddle counterfeit goods to unsuspecting consumers. Here are a few statistics from the report that I thought were interesting. Independent Amazon sellers in the United States averaged about 230000 in sales each year and created over 1.5 million jobs related to operating their businesses. Of course, these same jobs will be immediately outsourced to Amazon robots, but who's counting? Third-party sales on Amazon's account for about 60% of Amazon's sales today. Amazon reports that shipping with FBA costs 30% less per unit than standard shipping options offered by major U.S. carriers and 70% less than premium options comparable to FBA. Amazon reports that 260 million products are exported globally by U.S. sellers annually. That's a lot of products. Buy With Prime got a small mention, but there was no case study related to it. Likely this is because Buy With Prime is in another organization within Amazon than the selling team. In case you needed another proof of Conway's law, there you have it. I tried to pull out the most interesting tidbits of the information so you don't have to suffer through reading the entire public relations exercise. The 260 million number of products exported globally was probably the most interesting piece of information I came across. There's no mention by Amazon what percentage of the entire catalog that represents. Our second story. Shopify's upcoming shareholder meeting. In case you weren't aware, Berkshire Hathaway isn't the only company in the world that has a yearly investor meeting. All public companies are required to have them. Shopify released its latest 6K, which described the changes to the company's board of directors, as well as upcoming shareholder resolutions for approval. Remember, this is the same board of directors that just last year voted to give CEO Toby Lutka founder shares, which essentially means that Toby is the only board member that actually matters similar to the structure that Mark Zuckerberg has with Facebook. It's in this vein that I call out one board of director nomination that is being made, and it's Brett Taylor. 
Brett Taylor is a longtime Silicon Valley executive who has sold several startups to major Silicon Valley players like Facebook and Salesforce. Brett spent three years as chief technology officer at Facebook and one year as co-CEO of Salesforce. There are a few reasons that I think the nomination of Brett Taylor as a director could be interesting, and of course, this is all speculation. First, along with Fiji Simo, Brett is another former Facebook executive on the board, which could indicate that Shopify is looking to ramp up its investments in advertising and wants connections up to the highest levels at Facebook. Second, as a former co-CEO at Salesforce, Brett could perhaps be helpful as an advisor to Shopify's enterprise sales initiatives. Although this is probably the least likely reason I came up with because Shopify has already been doing quite well convincing former Salesforce customers to join Shopify Plus over the past several years. Finally, I couldn't help but notice that in the past four months, Brett Taylor has co-founded an AI startup which is intended to use AI to solve some of the biggest problems in business, end quote. Whatever that means. But in other news, didn't Shopify CEO Toby Luca just recently get religion on artificial intelligence himself, declaring it the company's top priority? The smart money indicates that Toby is looking to leverage some of Brett's company expertise in AI and potentially even give his future startup a landing spot if things go well. Stranger things have happened. Our third story. McKinsey report on the beauty market. Consulting firm McKinsey recently released our new report on the state of the beauty market in 2023. Since beauty has been one of the most resilient sectors in e-commerce over the past year, I thought it would be interesting to cover. Here are a few of my biggest takeaways from the report. First, the size of the beauty market in 2022 was $433 million worldwide and is expected to reach $580 million by 2027. That's about a 6% annual growth rate across skincare, hair care, makeup, and fragrance. As we unpack this growth rate, McKinsey is predicting the premium tier of beauty to grow slightly faster than mass market. With regards to channels, e-commerce is expected to be the fastest growing channel and about a 12% growth rate. Although this doesn't mean that brands can ignore brick and mortar. Consumers were reporting that their online purchases are being heavily influenced by what they try on and see in stores. With regards to geography, some of the fastest growing countries are going to be the Middle East and India, which I find interesting. Especially for global brands, having licensees in these regions could be lucrative. One of the final interesting themes mentioned in the report is the increased role of mergers and acquisitions in the space going forward. In particular, private equity and conglomerates looking for more independent brands as deal sizes shrink in size but not in frequency. And our last story. Economists wondering, where's the recession? If you're looking at all the recent economic news and wondering where the recession at, so are economists. Despite some of the continued layoffs in the tech industry by players like Shopify, there are a few positive signs. First, the April jobs report was pretty good, which means that hiring was better than expected and layoffs were actually less than expected overall. Previously, economists were worried that an increase in layoffs in March were the start of a trend, but nope. Economists don't have any, any better predictions than you or me. Regardless of this fact, workers are still cautious about their jobs, and rightly so. Most employers are cutting expenses and have slowed down hiring to account for the fact that the costs to run a business have gone up. This is no time to break out the champagne and checkbook, however. Many brands are still reporting a softer second half of the year than first half, but some of these data points do vary on a category-by-category basis. Until we see a sustained drop in inflation and return to more normal consumer spending, 
Businesses would be still wise to be more cautious than normal to preserve their cash and avoid risky bets. Hey, Watsonians, this is Rick. Want to get my take on a burning question and have me answer on this podcast? You can start a topic on the RMW Commerce community and just ask. The community is full of e-commerce diehards just like you talking about important e-commerce issues. You can contribute to the conversation at community.rmwcommerce.com today. Now a word from our sponsor, Commerce Tools. When a multi-billion dollar beauty brand's e-commerce platform neared the end of its life, the entire business was at risk, including the ability to serve customers. By switching to Commerce Tools and embracing a more flexible mock architecture, the retailer's vision for connecting in-store and personalized shopping experiences became a reality. The brand can now roll out features within days, securing its position as a modern brand that uses technology to its advantage. If you're being held hostage by your technology platforms and your developer has thrown up their hands, tell them to start a free trial at commercetools.com today. It's that time, friends, for our Investor Minute. We have seven items on the menu today. First, media platform Audience Plus raised a seed round to help small businesses. Audience Plus says it's an owned media platform for marketers, which sounds like a content management system to me, given the software is essentially a repository for hosting various pieces of content like videos, podcasts, and articles. Second, Fanatics bought operations of sports betting company PointsBet for $150 million. If there is a sporting category that Fanatics is not expanding to, I would like to know about it. Anyone who has watched a sporting event in the past few years knows about the rise of sports betting in the United States. The real crown jewel of this deal is about Fanatics gaining access to PointsBet's licenses in about 15 states and creates a new major competitor to FanDuel and DraftKings. Third, the assets of former direct-to-consumer subscription darling Birchbox was acquired by retention brands. Those who missed it may not even realize that about two years ago, the assets of Birchbox were acquired by Femtech Health for around $45 million. I can only imagine that the new purchase price was a set of steak knives and a lifetime refill of salad at the Olive Garden. Fourth, Gordon Brothers completed its acquisition of distributor and manufacturer H2 Brands Group. Gordon Brothers is a well-known liquidator. H2 Brands owned brands such as Comfort Zone, Magnavox, and Craig Electronics, and had sales in excess of $250 million. Prior to this transaction, H2 had also divested its paint supply brand, Sureline, to True Value Hardware. Fifth, eBay boosted its fashion authentication capabilities with Serta Logo acquisition. eBay has been invested in how to scale the authentication of products on its marketplace so that buyers can have a better experience. The company's services included AI-based software to help rights holders validate the authenticity of products in the wild, which is likely where the greatest benefit will be to eBay. Recall that eBay made another purchase in this sector recently with the acquisition of brand protection firm 3PM Shield. The amount of the transaction was not disclosed. Sixth, B2B automotive parts marketplace Parts Tech raised a $35 million Series C to expand. The company's marketplace sits in between the more than 15,000 auto repair shops and over 30,000 parts suppliers. With the continued penetration of digital sales in this category, this only makes sense that auto parts shops are looking to streamline their parts ordering processes with marketplaces like Parts Tech. And finally, Fanatics continues its acquisition spree with collectibles auction provider PWCC. 
PWCC is the second major acquisition for Fanatics in the past month, and it's proof that it's best to be greedy while others are fearful. Recall that early last year, Fanatics acquired Topps trading cards as well, so Fanatics is moving not just to control the supply, but also the distribution of the sports collectibles business. That's all for this week. Till next time, Watsonians. Hi, I'm Rick Watson, CEO and founder of RMW Commerce Consulting and host of the Watson Weekly Podcast, your essential e-commerce digest. Our production partner for the series is Citizen Racecar. The show is produced by Jose Baez, production manager, Gabriela Montague. To hear new episodes of the show every Monday morning, subscribe now at rmwcommerce.com slash Watson Weekly and wherever you get your podcasts.